0: on Local Now, Channel 525. As a constitutional
1: law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host... Jenna Ellis.
0: Welcome, friends, to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I am Jenna Ellis, and lots to talk about today. And before we get to the top headlines of the day and all of the uh, great things we talk about on this program, I also want to talk about my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Uh, Legacy Precious Metals is a company that you can trust to give you good and patient counsel for your personal situation, for your uh, protecting your finances and retirement. When times are turbulent, you need an asset that protects you. And that's why I believe in investing in gold and trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Call them today at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903. Or you can visit them online at legacypminvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. And joining me now on the show is my good friend, Ryan Helfenbein, who is the executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University. He has joined the show before, has been a very dear friend of mine for years now. And uh, it seemed like actually a really long time, Ryan, because we have been through so much life uh, together and with the Freedom Center at Liberty. And I wanted to have you back on today because next week, so excited, I'm going to be actually at Liberty University, along with so many of our good friends, like Eric. Metaxas, Michael Knowles, Ali Beth Stuckey, Mike Pompeo, Jack Brewer, Seth Dillon from the Babylon B, so many great people uh, are mm-hmm. going to be at a conference November 12th and 13th that is called Freedom Uncensored, Uncommon Courage in Unvirtuous Times. So uh, what is this event? And you know, if people want to go and, and sign up, go to standingforfreedom.com. And you can uh, click on the events tab and register for this. It's going to be an amazing conference. But, Ryan, uh, why this conference at this particular time?
1: Wow. Well, first of all, Jenna, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for also – you're going to be a keynote there uh, next week as well. I, I think, you know, here we are in the state of, uh, of Virginia. Um, there's a big gubernatorial election, right? Um, most of the items uh, that are being debated right now, whether it be here in the state of Virginia, uh, whether it be elsewhere across the nation, are really frontline cultural issues, kitchen table issues that parents are worried about, that that they're concerned about the future of this country. They want an education free of indoctrination. Um, we're seeing what happened in Loudoun County, and it's still unfolding before our eyes. The NSBA, the uh, the, just just recently the senate judiciary 's uh, interview of uh, attorney general merrick garland it 's very very clear that social engineering is happening from the top down uh, from from the, the you know every agency of federal government, uh, some of these state agencies as well uh, trying to force us and in, in, um, um, like I say, social engineer, an outcome in terms of how to change culture here in America, what it means fundamentally to be a free citizen, to, to, uh, to have rights that are not compelled by government, uh, the freedom to worship, all of those things are pressing issues that we see right now um, all across the board. The reason we're doing this conference, the reason we're having the Freedom Uncensored is we need a place to convene like-minded believers. And by the way, there's going to be some unbelievers here, too, uh, non-Christians who are going to speak, Um, but about issues that, frankly, many churches are afraid to talk about. They shouldn't be. But they're afraid to actually lean in on these issues. Critical race theory, the gender debate, transgenderism, um, how we're dealing even now in 2021, uh, you know, with the issue of marriage, the sanctity of life, right? All of those things that we hold sacred, we cannot retreat from. We have to push back against the age that Presses against us, and so that's why we're doing it. That's why we're there. That's why you're speaking there, yes. um, and, and and I think a message that um, are going to resonate with with uh, young men and young women, uh, and frankly, even parents are going to be. This is a student leadership summit, but it's designed to have parents, grandparents, uh, youth pastors, pastors. I hope pastors. There are going to be pastors there that are going to be sitting in the audience and are going to be engaged and listening and thinking. You know what? I need to preach on this on Sunday. Uh, I need to have a. There needs to be a sermon about this on Sunday. So.
0: Yeah, and Ryan, this is a very important, not only topic but also focus that the Freedom Center has really tried to uh, bridge. I think that that gap between what we know is truth and what uh, is commanded in Scripture to. to uh, to teach and what the role and responsibility of church is, but then also what the culture is uh, is telling us that our lies. and often uh, the political spectrum is really what couples taking truth into, Policy and culture, and that's why political engagement is so important for Christians. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you just said, um, and you and I have, of course, had you know a ton of offline uh, conversations yeah. about you know this conference, about the Freedom Center, you know all of this in general. And one of the things though that I want um, people listening to uh, to hear from you. One of the things you just said is there will be non-Christians that are speaking at this as well. And I think it's really fascinating in our moment in history to see how the church is truly letting down their calling, their mission. And Christians, when you have people who are atheists, who are um, of a different worldview besides the truth of the Bible, yet they are actually speaking more truth on some of these issues and actually in line with biblical truth than the church. And that's frightening. Unpack this a little bit on why you think that is in our day and age. Why do some people who are non-Christians actually display more courage and boldness to speak truth than Christians in churches right now?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I've I've, um, had multiple conversations and even prayed for and prayed with James O'Keefe. He doesn't claim to be a believer, but James O'Keefe would be somebody I recognized as kind of a tip of the spear on the front end. I don't agree with everything that James O'Keefe does, but he's an example of that he won't actually be at our event. But he's an example of somebody culturally that I'd point to that says, man, he, he is willing to do whatever it takes to expose the truth and to do so in a very in a in a very risky way, in a very bold way, uh, and, and in a way that I would say. Wow, this guy is willing to take great risks with his own life, with his own career. You think about all the litigation that he has to go through uh, in order to ensure that we have a free and fair press that is held accountable. Uh, that 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 uh, we have the freedom of speech in the marketplace. You know, the marketplace that you think about Palo Alto that controls so much of of um, the digital world. Uh, you know, and what. Uh, speech can go out on these various platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and all the rest. Uh, you know, James O'Keefe is pressing against that. I think of people like um, Dr. James Lindsay. Uh, uh, Dr. Lindsay is not a Christian; he is actually an atheist. I've had people point out, you know, I, I you know, he says some, he has a potty mouth. He is he says some foul things on Twitter. Hey, I'm not speaking to that. But what I will say about Dr. James Lindsay is the things he has to say about critical race theory and critical theory in general, um, he's safer on those issues than the woke preacher who kowtows to the left. Uh, you know, I, I find more danger from somebody who's in the pulpit who goes around and says, hey, I'm a Christian. Listen to me. I'm an authority. I'm, an, a, I'm a biblical authority. Listen to me. And oh, by the way, let me make all of these cultural accommodations. Let me tip my hat to the, to modernity uh, let me let me signal virtually, uh, you know, to to the to leftism and, and uh, all these areas of cultural accommodation, on issues like social justice, um, on on issues like um, uh, racism and, and the rest. These guys play into a leftist narrative and a leftist lie. Woke preachers are very dangerous. So it's very interesting when I, when I see people out there uh, that are saying things boldly, unapologetically, and these are, these are people who have not even been captivated by the gospel. I'm thinking to myself, wow, shame on us, shame on the church, shame yeah. on me. Sh- you, know, I, I, you know, I bear this shame as well. We need to be out there on the front lines. We need to be like Peter and John, uh, you know, and like Paul uh, in the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17, unapologetically proclaiming the gospel and saying, This is where we stand as a church. And uh, we need to be able to push back against the lies of this generation. Um, so, you know, when people are speaking truth and they're speaking in their lane, man, I want to have them there, whether they're an epitomologist, whether they're an atheist, a brain surgeon, uh, you know, it doesn't matter, or a journalist. It's like, hey, if they're willing to speak the truth, it's like what uh, Francis Schaefer used to say, "All truth is God's truth, so let's bring them in."
0: yeah, and and that is so well said, and it it reminds me that Christians need to, as Paul said in the New Testament. Um, you know, we need to not be tribalists in terms of following personalities or yeah. following a particular pastor or denomination or anything. We have to always have as our standard mm-hmm. the immutable truth of the Word of God. And anyone proclaiming that truth, even if they don't have... Um, the full truth, or if they're not saved, they can still proclaim truth in some areas. And that's why, you know, sometimes people ask me, like, you know, why are you reading books that aren't by Christian authors? Or why are you, you know, reading yeah. s- some things that are maybe are, you know, sketchy on, on certain aspects? And well, first of all, I like to read people I disagree with, because yeah. I always want to have arguments uh, mm-hmm. to to respond with, but not just because I read or listen to something from one person. Uh, their perspective doesn't mean that I agree with them on everything. Like I think of my friend, Dave, Dave Rubin, Um, love him. You know, he's a former Democrat. Now is a conservative, he speaks a lot of truth, but do I agree Mm -hmm. with him on everything? No. I mean, he's, he's obviously, you know, openly homosexual. And I disagree biblically, obviously with, um, with homosexuality and I'm very clear on that, but he speaks a lot of truth in other ways. And so we always have to make sure that we are comparing what anyone says, including pastors, including you know, you and I, including yeah. you know anyone we compare and contrast that solely with the standard of the word of God. And obviously, you know, I'm not going to go to these political commentators or the mainstream media for soteriology or, you know, things of salvation. Hopefully the church is proclaiming the the fundamental truth of the gospel, but the church also needs to be involved in more than that because, you know, Ryan, and and you know, this going through seminary, you know, way better even than I do, but, um, you know, the Bible isn't just how to get saved and then that's it. It's all about growing in the, in the grace and the knowledge of Christ and having uh, everything that's contained in the Word of God for our benefit to live our lives in every aspect according to the truth. And so if pastors aren't talking about cultural issues or they are fundamentally in conflict in accepting secular viewpoints in the church because they think Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with soteriology, that becomes really, really dangerous
1: yeah i agree whole wholeheartedly there's a kind of fashionable um expression uh that comes you know comes out in the church and within broader evangelicalism whether you call it big eva that's a that 's a term you see on social um it 's almost like an establishment um religion in a way and uh you 'll see pastors of these mega church uh, mega churches that will begin to um speak in such a way tropes and bromides and it's like wait I've heard that you know several people have said that and used that quote you know um and it's almost like a fashionable way of uh, of of mm, messaging i wouldn't even say proclaiming the truth but messaging um and so because of that you know you have evangelical influence that is uh that is being shaped by culture and less so by actual scripture. And I love what you beautifully said before. Yeah, it's not just about, you know, salvation uh, in Jesus' name. That's the starting point. That's the starting point of the Christian life and the Christian faith. But it's about everything else, too. The, the, the scriptures are wholly sufficient for living, for life and reproof and correction and training in righteousness so that the man and woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's design is for good works, uh, to go out there. We're not saved by them. Uh, we're not saved by good works. Uh, we're only saved by the work of Christ, but, uh, but we certainly are supposed to live by them. Uh, and so when, when, uh, we go out there in the world and engage, uh, certainly we, we must, uh, we must live and act in, uh, uh, in in accordance to, uh, the scriptures and the word of God. This day and age, um, and I, I, I'll let you ask another question, but this day and age, I'll just say, you know, uh, we cannot take for granted how much of the leaven of culture has spilled into the church and how much of the church today's modern kind of expression that you see in most evangelical churches is a reflection more of culture than of Christ himself. That's that's what I'll say. Oh, a hundred
0: percent. And you know, you see so many churches that basically have abandoned their root mission in uh, proclaiming the gospel and creating disciples and fulfilling the Great Commission, um, in, and instead they're trying to just be life coaches. And you know, you and I have said this yeah. so often, Ryan, that if you can't tell the difference between your pastor and a TED Talk, other than the fact that you know maybe he sprinkles in Jesus' name and you know a reference to a Psalm, yeah. then you better change churches. You know? yeah. And this is. Uh, This is where, you know, but also, but touching on uh, one one other thing that you said about, you know, faith without works is dead. Uh, You know, so many people talk about it and I think misconstrue that verse because... Primarily, they don't understand what faith is, and Mm -hmm. they don't understand that you're right, that salvation is the starting point, but then faith is belief in the promises of God and then acting on it. So, of course, if you don't have that exercise of religion, which is what our founders protected— Um, in our role and responsibility of government, specifically as one of our first freedoms, if you're not exercising, meaning doing works, acting upon your belief, then you don't actually have faith. Your faith is dead. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have anything to do with being saved. It has everything to do with living out your faith, being part of that great cloud of witnesses. And, you know, Hebrews uh, 10 and 11, well, 11 and 12, and, um, and really harnessing the understanding of what it means to be a Christian in a civil society. And what, what you just said um, a moment ago about how you know churches aren't, um, aren't taking their view from the Bible, they're taking it from culture, is exactly why I think conferences like this one um, and like so many others that Faith-based organizations like uh, the Freedom, the Standing for Freedom Center, are putting mm-hmm. on. They're speaking to the cultural issues that everyone knows are the most relevant topics today in terms of living out our faith where churches have abandoned that because they think it's too controversial. And exactly where the controversy is and the flashpoints in culture, that's exactly where the church needs to be. And so conferences like this are so important because you're not hearing that anymore in a lot of the churches in America today. And I hope you're right, Ryan, that pastors will come to this conference, that students, that parents, that just engaged Christians will come Mm -hmm. to this conference and then take back a lot of those cultural flashpoints and how to engage and start engaging in their churches as well.
1: Absolutely. Courage is the theme of the hour. Uh, we have to stand courageously. Um, the price of freedom is paid for uh, every, in every generation. Uh, so it's, it's now our time to pay for it. Uh, We have to be willing to sacrifice, first of all, by lifting our voice, but sometimes it may cost us something. I think about um, people out there that are losing their jobs right now because of uh, refusing uh, a vaccine that should never be mandated. Um, You know, uh, you think about that. You think about the touch points of um, kind of the social justice movement and what's happening there and how there's tremendous pressure on churches to be a part of this kind of woke activism, or at least signal that they are in some ways. And there's all kinds of pressures to accommodate culturally, even right now. And yet on the flip side of all that, what is so interesting, Jenna, as we talked about David Rubin, and I think of Jordan Peterson, and I think of James O'Keefe and James Lindsay, there's like so many others, not, you know, non-Christians who all of a sudden are co-belligerents in this kind of exercise of freedom and freedom of conscience, which is ironic. You find people that are standing on the wall uh, in defense of liberty, in defense of freedom, and yet they have less in common with us than the person that is sitting next to us in our pew on Sunday morning. And it's ironic because we're trying to wake up in many ways and, and, and arouse the curiosity of the church to say, you need to now see this. This is this is a time to wake up. It, it, we, we have to be sober-minded. This is not a time to be asleep. It's a time to be alert, to be ready, to be engaged, to be active, to be mobilized. Um, that, that, that's the whole purpose of this, this Freedom Uncensored uh, conference. And by the way, there are other organizations that are doing similar type conferences. The one thing I will say uh, about what we're trying to do here is uh, it, because we're at Liberty University, the largest Christian university uh, in the world, um, we're, we're trying to do it in such a way to reach down to that younger generation that we do not miss it. It was Reagan that said freedom is just one generation away from extinction. Man, we cannot miss it. And by the way, these are our young people. These are young people that are growing up in our churches that are coming from, many of them, our own private schools, and now they're entering into secondary and post-secondary education, and they're not being equipped to engage this current culture in its crisis. And that's so that's the whole purpose of why we're doing this.
0: And that is the purpose. I mean, as you were talking, Ryan, it, it occurred to me, you know, what if the culture, you know, back um, during, you know, Nazi Germany, the church then said, you know what, this is too um, Mm -hmm. difficult and controversial of an issue. We're not going to talk about this. We're not going to engage on, you know, whether or not these are uh, great crimes against humanity. There's great evil. And if the preachers of the day uh, were not willing to stand up and, and they just said, you know what, let's just let the, the Winston Churchills of the world and let's let, you know, the political leaders engage in that. We just have to teach this, you know, fluffy felt board Jesus over here. Well, you know, sermons today use a ton of illustrations from those um, uncommonly evil times. And if we aren't willing at every point throughout human history to engage in the particular uncommon evil of our day, then we will have missed the opportunity to be at the time and place that the Lord has called us to. I mean, there is a reason that you and I and every other person listening to this right now was born at the time and place that we were. That was ordained by God. We are, I mean, you know, so many people use the reference to Queen Esther, you know, for such a time as this. Yeah. you know, kind of, um, I think, almost colloquially now, um, you know, just as, as some kind of Christian parlance. But that whole um, idea of saying, you know, you're here for this specific time actually applies to everyone in principle. And yeah. we have to, as Christians say, okay, what is the uncommon evil of our day? And how do we not only teach our young people and pass not just the flame of liberty, but the Um, the the mandate from scripture of uh, fulfilling the great commission and invest in them to then go and invest in making disciples of men if we don't pass that along to the next generation, then we will have failed where our ancestors did not mm-hmm. fail us. And so, you know, if we, we can't look at this particular moment in culture and stand down, we have that's- to stand up. And that's why I love, I love the name of Standing for Freedom Center, because that's exactly what we need to be doing. And that's actually a very, very Christian virtuous thing.
1: Amen, amen. I think of, I love that you brought up the story of, of Queen Esther. And you're right. For such a time as, as this, uh, often you know we use that. That becomes the title of books. That becomes the 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 thing we put on T-shirts. You know, everywhere. But in in all seriousness. Um, we see examples throughout the Old Testament written for our instruction, uh, as Paul says in the New Testament. Yes. These things were all recorded for us. So we could look back at these examples and we could be strengthened by them. Look at the story of Joseph. Did, you know, did he have a perfect kingdom in which he served? No. You know, look at Daniel. Same thing. Esther, same thing. I think of um, the prophet Jeremiah and the instruction given to the exiles uh, uh you know the Jews that were living in Babylon, and he basically says, This is the Word of the Lord, you know and he says, You guys got to stay there you got to live there, you need to build houses, uh, you need to build up the city, you need to give your sons and daughters in marriage and build gardens and vineyards, and all this and he says, Pray to the lord on this, on behalf of the city, for in its welfare you will find your welfare' The the term, the Greek term for city is polis. It's where we get the term politics. This is the basis of our political engagement. We as Christians do not have a choice to be engaged. We must be engaged. That is a mandate from the Lord. Now, uh, you know, there are a lot of folks these days, Jenna, that um, people that I love and respect who believe that um, the church and it should be completely separate uh, from the state in every which way, and I even mean of influence and engagement and all of those things. It's kind of a um, pietist separatism. Mm-hmm. And uh, in reality, throughout history, uh, even this, the history of this country, that it has a long legal tradition that comes all the way from the Protestant Reformation and beyond, um, that has never been true. That has never been the case, except for some very rare moments like the Anabaptists and other small, more cultish movements where there was a kind of separatism. But at every other moment, including Old Testament and New, Christians and the people of God have always been engaged. So um, that's why we're here. That's why we live. That's why I was born the year I was born. You were born the year where you were born. And it was for such a time as this, just like Queen Esther.
0: Absolutely. And that's, you know, going through um, journalism in undergrad, I, I went through the World Journalism Institute. Some of you um, who are listening may may know World Magazine and uh, World Journalism Institute. And, um, you know, my, my friend Marvin Olasky that's there and, um, you know, Joel Bells, who used to be the editor, but a really good publication. And mm-hmm. I remember going through that um, in undergrad, that three week substantive course. And um, and I still remember um the, the instructor there saying, you know, journalism is all about recording God's movements throughout history. Mm-hmm. And I loved that definition because that's exactly what uh, the writers of scripture really did, was recorded God's movements throughout history. And these aren't just stories in the Bible that, you know, we learn to pass a Sunday school exam or to, you know, color a picture. Yeah. It's about showing God's faithfulness through the generations, showing his story, and to encourage us to likewise have faith, which is believing in the promises of God and acting on them and knowing that as he was faithful throughout history, he will still be faithful today. And there are so many people listening who, I mean, I get... um, Emails, notes, letters, all the time, and I know that uh, you guys do too, Ryan, at the Freedom Mm -hmm. Center, where people are just giving up hope, and they're saying, "You know, this country is just going, um, you know, going to hell in a handbasket." But uh, you know, what can we do? And I always, I always just want to encourage people: we still need to stand up. God always leaves a remnant. He, His Word, will always prevail. That doesn't mean we'll be comfortable. It doesn't mean we won't have trials. In fact, we're We are promised trials and tribulations. But in our day, we have to stand firm with the cultural situation and problems and evil and everything that we have to deal with, and we have to remain firm, exercise our faith. And that's why... Um, things like this conference is so important and why, especially after, you know, the 18 months of, you know, crazy COVID lockdowns, um, it's so encouraging to me to come to these conferences because I get to hang out, you know, with, with That's Ryan, right. obviously, and then, you yeah. know, I get to see friends, but, um, yeah, getting, getting to hang out with Ryan's like one of the highlights guys, honestly, but, um, <laughs> cause <laughs> we get to you. talk about everything for like way, way too long, but, um, but to be encouraged. And so, you know, come to these things in person, Because in a gathering, I mean, that's the ecclesia, right? We are not supposed to forsake the gathering. And when Christians come together, even if it's not, you know, within the four walls of a church, you're gathering together for the purpose of mutual encouragement in the truth. And things like this, where we speak together about truth, are so important for our continued hope and to encourage one another to stay strong and be bold. So, cl- some closing thoughts, Ryan, and then how can people uh, find and, and register for this conference?
1: I think of I mean, the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, by the way, I think of the end of, of Kings. Uh, you know, Elijah's coming to the end of his own life, and he's thinking to himself, I'm all alone, I'm, I'm all by myself. Everybody, I've got, we got the enemy pressing in. And by the way, most of my kinsmen, most of the, my fellow Israelites, they've all given up and they've bowed and bent the knee to Baal. And, and, and here, here they are, you know, um, turning to the, to the God of this age. And the Lord responds. He says, no, I preserve for myself 7,000 who have not bent the knee. 7,000 is a big number, by the way. And so, I mean, that's, that's more than what would fit in a city. We have to be reminded we are not alone. You are not alone. I am not alone. And, and, and it's not just that the Lord is with us. Certainly he is. But there are so many others. We go to these conferences. By the way, go to church. If you're not in church on Sunday, go to church on Sunday. But go to these conferences, too, with like-minded people. Draw near together to be reminded, to be encouraged. You are not alone. That's why we're. Why, that's another reason to come to uh, to this conference. Where you can find information about it, standingforfreedom.com, just like it sounds, spelled just the same way, standingforfreedom.com. And uh, there's a tab for events right there at the top, register. You can come. Most people, uh, you know, within three, four hours driving driving distance, you're in the state of Virginia, it's pretty easy to get here, North Carolina. We want to invite anybody to come to this that can come absolutely there's still time to register we still got spots available i think we have 150 seats left um but uh but we are filling up. So I, w- I want to encourage people definitely to come.
0: Yeah. So register. Absolutely. So this is called freedom, uncensored, uncommon courage in unvirtuous times. Uh, so many of our great friends are going to be there to encourage you. And um, I hope to get to meet everyone who comes. So, um, you know, if you uh, have, have ever wanted to meet some of your, you know, yeah. great friends that you hear all, uh, you know, every day on their podcasts, their shows uh, you know, like me and Ryan, Eric Metaxas, like I said, Michael Knowles, Mike Pompeo, Ali Bestucky I mean, um, the the Just Thinking podcast guy, Some of my favorite best yeah. friends, uh, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. They're going to be there. So you know, come and be encouraged. Uh, so go to StandingForFreedom dot com. Click on the Events tab, and there's actually a banner. Uh, right up on the main page that's called freedom uncensored it's november 12th and 13th i uh, just click on the register now tab and hopefully uh ryan and i will see you there along with um you know a bunch of our good friends who are going to really encourage you and um i like i said ryan i love stuff like this and i come to every conference that i can just because yeah. it's so great to be in a sea of people so that you know you're not alone in standing for courage of conviction, for our founding principles, for conservatism, and ultimately for truth. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much for, for joining me today, Ryan. Thank you, Jenna. Thanks for having me.